Yeah. Yeah. So he did. He caught everybody by surprise. It was funny because he was particularly Al was disengaged during crosstalk yesterday. And a couple of times I looked over at him to kind of like, okay, let's go, you know. And he was, you could tell, he was, the wheels were were spinning, the gears were turning, and then all of a sudden, bam, he nails him with the glass of water. It's terrific. Well, that's part of playing possum, is you have to make yourself look disengaged, like you're not even paying attention to anything going on. You have to blend into the background <laughs> in order to make this sneak attack most effective. It also, too, it's a little bit of like, Remember in Office Space, Stephen Root's character, Milton? Yes. The one that wants his stapler and just can't get his stapler. <laughs> right. He's off the payroll and, you know. He's in the basement. And he eventually snaps. Alan Slee was Milton. <laughs> oh I think Alan Slee would have had enough. <laughs> well, okay. Can I push back on that for a second? Because he immediately apologized. He had a towel. He had a second shirt there. That that was a sleeve well, way of snapping. It well, was still very polite yes. in, in, a, in Look, a very Allen way. It's all relative. <laughs> like, I mean, this is Alan Sliwa's version of going postal. But it's all relative. Like It was terrific. It's, go it's going to be very safe. Nobody actually gets hurt in the process. You know, he had Ireland's change of clothes ready and stuff like that. But at the same time, in that moment, snapped. It was great. My, my Again, I don't have a lot of criticism of it, but he missed his head. Like, it hit him right, kind of right here, mm -hmm. Andy. Like, if you were a police officer or something, like where your badge would sit, it kind of hit him right there. I wanted it directly in the face. It's also on brand, though, for Sliwa, that the whole revenge thing isn't really going to work out. No, it's not his It's not his lane. Well, it's just, I, I don't see Sliwa being able to really make that thing land. It's it's just not who Alan is. We talked about this yesterday during Super Crosstalk, that I wanted him to up the ante a little bit, right? Like, if you do something that's a 1 out of 10 to me, you're getting a 5 back, right? If you do a 5, you're getting a 10. Like, we're, we're going to push it forward to the point where you're going to give up. He was given a one and he gave a one. It was very, it was very a proportional. Actually, it response. sounds more like he gave a three quarters, because John dumped that thing all over him. <laughs> he got. He really gave a point seven five to a one. I honestly think that when it comes to just saturation factor, it was pretty. It was a draw. Okay, <laughs> I, I think right. it was a draw that neither one was like fully over because he got Sliwa more down the back than he did over the top of the head. But I'm very proud of Al. I'm very yes. proud that he. Uh, he squared his accounts. Well, except he also took two days off after. Perfect. It's a little bit. <laughs> a little scared. It's a little bit running scared. I don't know. Well, no, it's actually, okay, there's a remote on Monday, correct? There's, there's a Not remote. for our okay. show. There's <laughs> yeah. a remote for Mason. This Ma is news to me. No, no, no. Going on the road okay, on this is what I'm getting at. For yeah. Mason and Ireland. There is a remote because I was originally going to be in for Mace on Monday. Okay. And then Bergman texted me and said, don't worry about it. There's some type of remote. And Michael's going to be there with John. Okay. So really, Alan got his revenge and then ducked out for 96 hours. <laughs> to let temperatures come Yeah, come back I mean, like, again? he got, like, a, a mild version of snapping and then took off for 96 hours. It's kind of cowardly. I don't know... <laughs> 
I don't know if uh, John is going to strike back. I think that this could be the end of it. I think that this is probably not the next step, but the final step. I mean, but also, who knows? They love pranks. They love bits. They do. They can come, they do. keep coming back. I don't know if Ireland is capable of remembering something that happened on a show five <laughs> days earlier. Like, he pays so little attention to what's going on as it is. Five days previous with a weekend in between, there's no way John can remember. All right, a little bit of uh, housekeeping stuff here. We're having a little trouble with the uh, broadcast portion of this, so I would strongly recommend YouTube today. I would recommend the ESPN LA app. If you have not put that on your phone, put that on your phone. It's a great way to listen to the show. Uh, we're, we're working on it, as they say. Where This is where the guy pulls the plug out of the wall. Old school TV, when the network would go down and the uh, you know the, the little color bars would come up and <laughs> somebody had tripped over the cord unplugging everything it's kind of where we are right now but uh if you've got the app you're in good shape if you are on youtube you're in good shape and you can see andy and i uh and and hopefully by the time before too long there they got us back up on the air and by the time john and steve and uh sedano and cap get going they'll we'll be back uh among the traditional am radio waves. maybe the prank was like bad juju for the airwaves I, maybe Slee got the uh, i don't know the transmitter wet Who so knows? did you guys see this so yesterday like chris mentioned was the final day for mandy's voting right uh and there was a bit of a conspiracy theory out there that the reason that we were because we were having some trouble yesterday too that there was some saboteurs taking place what? to try to prevent our show in particular from getting the votes that we were uh, requesting. Yeah, you know, last year is stuffed ballot boxes. This year, it's they're they're taking ripping the cords out from underneath us. They just really don't want us to win, Trav. Now, look, if nothing else, we have an excuse, right? <laughs> we, <laughs> we, we we can come up with some sort of reasoning of why it wasn't a real result. We can at least uh, claim that. I, I mean, have, they're I've, probably feeling the footsteps. I mean, if they're going to this, if they're so. going to this level to cut out your guys knees because let's be honest last year they weren't sweating you guys at all i don't think okay. so either right I, I, nor nor this year for me well i'm just right saying they're, they're obviously feeling some degree of heat if they're gonna bother doing this to you at all if they really weren't threatened they would amplify your show has anybody been watching that white house plumber show on hbo woody harrelson right yeah it's woody harrelson and uh and justin uh throw and it's just basically about the uh watergate like, Watergate, but like the ridiculousness of it. But I'm like, this is kind of like a, maybe a Watergate, Watergate esque like sabotage of us. <laughs> I have not watched White House Plumbers. Have you? No, I've not. It's yeah. funny. It's cute. I mean, not cute, but it's like it's funny and a she little sees dark. Everything. I know. I, the, you, your ability <laughs> to literally catch everything that is yeah. on is remarkable. I did watch me. another movie yesterday. I watched The Starling Girl. I don't think I would recommend it to anybody else, but uh, it's fine. I love Andy's Elijah making Scanlon. a face. <laughs> it's rare that I have never even heard of a movie. I don't know what the f the Starling Girl it was is. In the theater too, I saw it in the theater at the Alamo Draft House. What is it? But it starred Eliza Scanlon. Um, it's about kind of a girl in Kentucky. Uh, she's in a, like kind of like a very religious um, a church group and starts in an inappropriate relationship. Essentially, is the entirety Ooh. of the of the movie. So, if you are interested, they are showing at the Alamo Draft House. But my big question for both of you: Do you think that fake BK is going to be at the uh, Mandy Awards? Too? I think I know the answer to this. So, I but I think he tweeted at me a week or two ago. Might have been a month or so ago. I believe that he is. Let's go. I believe that he is. I. You you saw him last year, yeah. obviously. He came up to me during the red carpet portion where Susan and I are walking in, and he, he he's coming over, and he's got this big smile on his face, and he's got his hand out to shake me. And I'm like, 
why is Brian this excited to see me? This doesn't make any sense at all that somebody who I know that I text with that I have a, that I'm friendly with on a regular basis is like, Hey, it's really good to see you. And, and it wasn't until he was within two feet of me. I realized it wasn't him. No, they, they looked scary alike. <laughs> like I've known Brian quite literally his whole life. Right. I could have mistaken them. It's like him and Bobby Marks are like the two like, Oh, that's BK. Yeah. Bobby Marks. Yeah. Th- this guy even more so. Bobby Marks is a good one, too. Put the three of them together. <laughs> the actually, if we could get them all in a room and see if people could actually pick out Brian, like put like them and maybe just a couple other fake Brian's together. <laughs> you and Brian's wife would have the best chance. <laughs> the, the rest of us would be throwing darts. Yeah, that, that guy guessing. looked eerily like Brian. I believe that he is coming back. I Good. believe that it's happening. Uh, we'll see. We'll find out a, a week from Saturday. Speaking of shows mm-hmm. that you watched, Emily, um, I got a chance to watch both parts of the American Gladiators 30 for 30 yesterday. It's it's a commitment because part one's 90 minutes, part two is two hours. So it's, it's kind of like a long movie. It, it's a very long movie. Um, I recommend it on DVR so you can you know power through it. Pretty good, guys pretty good i know andy you and i are children of the 80s so we went through american gladiators in real time you cannot overstate what a phenomenon <laughs> that was in the late 80s early 90s it was massive i, I had forgot I, I watching it again you're like oh yeah it, it was a it was a campaign point in presidential elections everybody like, knew who nitro was everybody knew who nitro was and you were either this is the decline of american civilization as we know it or this is awesome you were there was no middle ground that this is the end of TV. This is the end of you know highbrow discourse in this country. Or yeah, man, can you put it on more? There okay. was no middle. The reality is it was both. <laughs> I mean, there's no such thing as the bottom for TV because it's just going to keep descending. They got shovels. Yeah, we will never ru- we'll run out of writers, but we will never run out of shovels. Right. The shovels will always be there. And therefore, you know, the not even just guilty pleasure, just the straight up crap, you know, the stuff that really puts a mirror up to where we are as a society and lets us know we suck. <laughs> like that stuff will always be there. But American Gladiators was legitimately awesome and entertaining. It was real. So th- this was obviously there's WWE or I guess it was the WWF back then. Yeah. And it was choreographed like giant guys doing cool stuff and that they could do acrobatics and all these things but there the, the violence wasn't real this the violence of this show was real um brian gadinsky who was one of the producers on the show is full disclosure a friend of mine who we're going to try to put on the show next week uh, had a great line and he goes it's about the game, stupid. The reason that none of this other thing was the games there were incredibly compelling. They were incredibly violent. You never really knew who was going to win. That there was this sense of what's going to happen next. That that is what made that show. And then the costumes and the pageantry and all that stuff. But the games themselves were wildly entertaining. Well, it was it was rollerball, yes. but for real. Like if people <laughs> remember Richard Dawson when you need him. Yeah, it was rollerball. <laughs> it was the Running Man. Right. It was the. It was. It's not quite um, the show that. What's the the Netflix show, Korean show about the game oh, show? Squid game. Dep- Hunger. Uh, not quite Skid Game. Uh, squid, squid Game. game. It's not quite Squid Game. It's not quite the Hunger Games, but it's as close it's as in you the can, neighborhood. Yeah, it's as close as you can get without people dying intentionally. And it's a very well done show. It, it, it. I'm talking about the doc, the Thirty for Thirty. It is um, sad. It's dark. 
Yeah. And it is wildly compelling. H- highly would recommend. I don't see everything, but uh, for what I did see, I put it this way. I committed three hours of TV time yesterday when part two came up. I'm like, that's let's a, go. That's a snack for Emily. <laughs> it was <laughs> Three it was, hours, just, that's nothing. I powered through it. It was absolutely <laughs> terrific. All right, let's talk a little bit about the NBA Finals, which start tonight. Uh, Andy, you said something interesting that I hadn't really thought about that I think is a good point. The result of this final is going to tell us a lot about the Lakers. That's coming up next. It's Travis Lee, 710 ESPN. AutoZone has the free services you need to help you get back on the road, like their free AutoZone Fix Finder service. The AutoZone Fix Finder service not only identifies the check engine light code, but it also helps identify the most likely cause of the check engine light being on. The information provided by the free AutoZone Fix Finder service is verified by data from over 5.5 million ASE certified technicians. And with over 5,600 locations nationwide, AutoZone is here to help you save time and money with their free services. Getting the job done just got easier. Restrictions apply. Get in the zone. AutoZone. I'm going to take a guess that you had a Latigre shirt at some point in your life. No. No. I don't even know what Latigre is. Oh, my gosh. A huge upset by me. It's It was Izod, knockoff Izod. It was a tiger instead of an alligator. Oh, I, I didn't know it. that was – I did not know that was called Latigre. Yeah. I did not have one. But you know it. I know it, Yes. All right, so today is the Na- Scripps National Spelling Bee. So I don't think we have spelling bee music, Uh-oh. so I asked to put the uh, Jeopardy music on. So throughout the day, I want to give you guys just your own, uh, you know, spelling test uh, throughout the day. So uh, are you guys ready? Uh, yes, I'm going to get I'm – can I just tap out right now? I got no, <laughs> no shot at this. Let's go. No, I think you go. got it. I have a, I, the first three are going to be really easy, so right. be ready. What, so, what level of spelling words are we picking from here? <laughs> like, seventh and eighth grade um, spelling bee list. I'm screwed. I think you're good. <laughs> Are you smarter than a fifth grader? Uh, no. All right. So, Trav, we're going to start with you. All and we're right. going to do one, obviously, that's close to both of your hearts. The word is chimpanzee. So, can you spell chimpanzee? <laughs> B-O-B-O. <laughs> Bobo. Like it. <laughs> all right. Uh, it's C-H-I-M-P-A-N-Z-E-E. Correct. Ding, ding, ding. That is right. First one on the board. All right, Andy, your first word is bayou. Can you spell Bayou. As in like born on the bayou? Yes. Like, okay. B-A-Y-O-U? Correct. Ding, ding, ding. That is right. This right. is 7th and 8th grade level now? Yes. Yes. This is just, but also we're starting off easy this first Kids grade. aren't learning a damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like 14-year-olds. I was going to say. All right. So, Brian, you're next. Your word is immediately. Your word's immediately. Wow. I M M I T E L Y. That is Ooh, <laughs> incorrect. Too well, many eyes. That is way <laughs> incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> Too many eyes. All right. It's not even a word what you threw out there. <laughs> I immediately knew that was wrong. Yeah. As soon as she said No, you immediately <laughs> knew that was wrong. <laughs> the word is. Uh, spelled I M M E D I A T E L Y. Wow, way off. I don't even have a D in there. <laughs> so that's our first three words. I'm going to have a few throughout the show. So this is the first three. Can I just take the cash and run? Like, I don't want to <laughs> compete for the grand prize. What was that one where you, oh, deal or no deal? I'll just take, I'll take <laughs> yeah. the deal and I'm out of here. I think today is National Game Show Day, too. Did I see yes, that on your is. rundown list? Deal or no deal kind of always struck me as one that didn't make a lot of sense to me because you're just, guessing right and then eventually hit a number like yeah i'll just take that then there's not a lot like of like odds i guess I, I guess there is but 
I never got the sense that a lot of the contestants were odds makers. So who wants sure. to who wants to be a millionaire? You would have walked away with like two hundred dollars. I would have gone beyond that, but I wouldn't have gotten into like the quarter of a million range. Once we got into something with a comma, I'm taking that money and I'm out. <laughs> right? I'll get it at fifteen hundred. I'm out of here. No, thank you. <laughs> you got all your lifelines up. I don't care. I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm taking this money and I'm getting the hell out of here. Uh, we were talking a little bit this morning before the show, and you said something that I hadn't really thought about with the result of the finals, which starts tonight. Um, will tell us a lot about what the Lakers did this most recent season. Yeah, I mean, the Lakers went out to Denver in a sweep. But I think as far as sweeps go, this was a pretty competitive sweep. Like, Denver was definitely the better team. There's no question about that. They had a much wider margin for error, and that became really clear as this series went along. But the Lakers were able to legitimately push them, legitimately hang with them. They had opportunities that they couldn't cash in on in I think very large part, Denver had a wider margin for error, and they're just better. But if Miami pushes them to six or seven games, you might not feel quite as good as you know you might have felt before about where the Lakers stand moving forward, their potential, particularly if you look to run it back. If Miami goes out in four or five games, then you start looking at it and say, all right, Denver really was just the best team in the league. They went through everybody. Right. They went through everybody. This was just their year. Maybe this is just who they are moving forward, and they're going to be running off you know, four or five seasons where they win a couple championships, and there's better than everyone. But if Miami loses in four or five games, you could look at what the Lakers did without any continuity built on the fly, missing LeBron for a lot of it, a lot mm-hmm. of it and saying, all right, you open this thing up with a training camp, and the ability to start creating counters to counters and, and start coming up with the plays that you don't even show in the regular season. You save them for the playoffs, which clearly this year the Lakers had no time to do right. after the trade deadline. You could actually feel even better about the potential of running it back. And, and you mentioned they, they had to play a stretch towards the end of the regular season without LeBron. And when they did get LeBron, he was hobbled. Right? I know, I know he played well. But he clearly was not at his best. He was playing with a foot that likely requires surgery. Two doctors told him to shut it down and get it fixed, and he went to the LeBron James of feet and got the answer he was looking for and went and played and and played really well. But, yeah, it wasn't just that he missed time. He was hobbled. He was less than his best. And AD was playing on a foot that may also require surgery or certainly some type of maintenance. So if that's true, and and I – I'm inclined to believe that it is, that if if the Heat get dispatched relatively quickly, which most people think is going to happen, then the Lakers are in the mix among the best teams in the NBA as recently constructed. Is the opposite true, too? That if Miami gives them a fight, that if Miami pushes it to a sixth or seventh game, and let's let, let, or let's just say it goes five or six, but it's also kind of similar to what we saw with the Lakers where they're in it, is the opposite true, too, where it's just that, hey, they're not nearly as close as we might have thought? I think they're still in I think they're still in the orbit of Denver just because I, I think it was evident the Lakers were, in this year's Western Conference playoffs, the second-best team. Like, I don't think there was any team it's not in a the stretch. West. I don't think there was any team in the West that was better than them. I'm not saying that they would have automatically run through all of these teams, but – Memphis and Golden State were considered by a lot of people two of the better teams 
in the West in these playoffs, and the Lakers controlled those series mm -hmm. both times around, I think pretty definitively. I think the Lakers were better than Phoenix. The Clippers have always been their bugaboo matchup, but in, a, in an actual series with no Paul George, no Kawhi for half of it, I think the Lakers could get through that. It, that that to me is the one that I the Phoenix could they be Phoenix? Yes, they they took out Memphis and and uh, who am I forgetting on the second? Uh, Golden State. Like they, I, they, I they know, took care of those. I know Phoenix went six games against Denver as opposed to four, but that also required Devin Booker it was and an Kevin Durant performance. Right, from exactly, those guys. and and. Phoenix barely won those games. I was going to say, Devin Booker, was he shot like 78% for a two-game stretch, and they had nail-biting games in yes. both of those situations. The Clipper one, though, is the one that's fascinating to me because even when the Clippers are something less than the best version of themselves, which is frequently because their two best players miss time all the time, they seem to always kind of give the Lakers the business. What is it? Eleven in a row, or in something like thirty-seven of forty-five? It's a it's a weird lopsided total, and it it hasn't always coincided with the Clippers missing their guys or the Lakers missing their guys. Frequently, it's both teams at their best, both teams not at their best. That that's the only other team in the West. You're like, yeah, that they didn't have to play them was probably good. Everyone else, I'll sign off on, but the Clipper ones, like, I don't know. Even if it was some bastardized version of the Clippers, that would still scare me. Oh. On an individual game-by-game -game basis, absolutely, because the track record speaks for itself. But I think in a series where you can really start picking apart things that your opponent is missing, in this particular case, yeah. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, <laughs> I, I think eventually the Lakers would have come out of that one. This feels – like I said this as the playoffs were just about to start because we kind of did a, a thing that at the beginning of the playoffs, we all picked a team out of the West. And I think – Taylor and Emily both picked the Nuggets, and Al and I both picked the Suns at that moment. And then after the first round, everybody switched to the Nuggets. You're like, Nuggets. I know hindsight and all the 2020-ness of it all, right? But this feels like one of those things that fast forward 10 days from now, two weeks from now, and the NBA Finals are done, and the Denver Nuggets are, are, are champions. It's going to be like, well, of course they were. They were the best team in the regular season. They were the best team in the playoffs. No one really pushed them. How did? Why, why did we talk ourselves into any of these other teams? Well, if they close the show, it's one of those, in retrospect, well, of course they were going to win the title. My theory on why I think it took so long for people to accept how good Denver is, twofold. First of all, they had had some playoff disappointments over the last couple of years, and people were, I think, very conveniently forgetting that they were missing either Jamal Murray Michael Porter Jr., or both of them right. in those playoffs. I think they were also forgetting this team brought in Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Bruce Brown, like guys who addressed the defensive issues they had. But also, too, I think the debate over Jokic winning three straight championships. Stupid. It, it was stupid, but yeah. people— MVPs. They were, uh, excuse me, MVPs. The idea that Jokic is going to do this a third straight year, having never won a championship before— there's something unspoken about that, which is I don't think he's going to win this year. And because people were spending so much time detracting from Jokic, I think they were, by extension, detracting from Denver. Because the the sample size with Denver was pretty big. Yes. And pretty obvious they were really good. They no, were really good. They, well, 
going back to the Lakers again, and I do think that the Lakers had a good team. By the end of the season, they were banged up, but so is kind of everybody else. That's the end of the season, and you kind of get what you get when it comes to injuries. You can talk about Milwaukee and other. It, it, you get what you get in the playoffs health-wise. And I do think that the Lakers were good. But you said the thing that I think is really interesting about the finals, which is I don't know if they're close or not. I don't know if they're that much better and, and like – the Nuggets are the best team in the West and are two and eight virtually indistinguishable from one another and everything in between. It's just whoever's a little healthier, or a little hotter in the moment is going to win that individual series, but you're still a long way from Denver. And how does that inform the decisions that the Lakers are going to make this off season? Like, are you just, Hey, listen, we can run. We won't have to worry about going on the road for game seven. We're going to be one of the four best teams. We're going to be one of the two or three best teams. And let's just be a little more, cautious in how we build this or hey we might be as good as the eight and as the two and everyone else but we still got a long way to go to get those guys we do need to be bold this offseason and what that means whether that means Kyrie or some other big blockbuster move I don't know the result of these next seven games might inform that decision yeah, you're, you're always gathering information if you're a front office and you're always comparing yourself against the best around the league if you want to be the best so one of the teams that they beat, the Warriors, do not have their general manager. They've got a lot of options. They got Draymond's got his option. Clay wants a new deal. Steph is still awesome, but he's in his mid thirties. End of the Warriors as we know it. That's coming up next. It's Travis Lee, seven ten, ESPN. Hey, you looking for that new Silverado? That new Silverado Crew Cab? Get yourself out to Rotolo Chevrolet. In fact, I talked to the guys from Rotolo this morning. Talked to my guy, Eddie, and he's just one of the guys out there that's going to make sure that you have the customer service experience of your life. That's what Mike Capozio, Mike's the guy you see on TV. He's the guy dancing with Oral Hershiser. You know Mike Capozio, and he sets the tone at Rotolo Chevrolet, which is give them the best customer service experience of their lives. That's why they've won Dealer of the Year 13 years in a row. They've gone back-to-back -back 13 times in a row. Number one in sales volume year after year after year, and that's by taking care of people. Get yourself out to Rotolo Chevrolet. Right off the 210 freeway, Sierra Avenue exit. Tell them that Travis sent you, and go find out for yourself how courteous, hands transparent, how upfront, just how good you feel about the entire process looking for that new Chevy car or truck. Go on out, and if you can't get out there, go online. RotoloChevy.com, R-O-T-O-L-O, RotoloChevy.com. Everything I just said, it's all true online, too. And tell them that Travis sent you. It's Travis Rogers, Alan Sliwa. Day has the same person dropped off food at your house twice in one day. Um, That's I don't. A great know. question. Travis and Sliwa on Seven Ten ESPN. All right, we're going to keep on doing this because I think it's hilarious cause, and I'm going to try to aim to give uh, Brian some of the more difficult ones. So it's in honor of the Scripps National Spelling Bee. I'm going to have a little spelling bee with us, um, a couple segments. So last time <laughs> we had Brian who did um, immediately. Um, it was it was great. It was immediately right. Um, so we're going to go again. So Travis, we're going to start with you. Uh, your word is inevitable. Inevitable. In a sentence, can I get the word of origin? Uh, um, inevitable. The is... nuggets are inevitable. Okay, I N E V I T A B L E. You are correct. It is inevitable. You move to the next round. All right, Andy. It's two more than I thought I'd get. You have procrastinate. Procrastinate. P R O C R A S T I N A T E. 
That is correct. Nice. Procrastinate. Wow. All right, now we're out to Brian. Your word is malignant. Your word is malignant. Malignant? Yes. Ooh, I already tell you I got this wrong. <laughs> M I M M T M I L G E M T. Brian, I'm asking this as respectfully <laughs> and empathetically as possible. Yeah. Are you dyslexic? <laughs> I'm not, not making I just fun never of that. Spell. Not making fun of that. I can't spell. Never Brian, you He's like, you're I, coming nowhere close, man. <laughs> you and I are team red line, little squiggle red line in your phone, right? I know it's yeah. not right. Tap the button. Oh, exactly. Let, let Apple fix it for me and keep 100%. it moving. Like, I actually, I have a, I've been told this is a minor form of dyslexia. When I handwrite, I often leave out vowels. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I will sometimes write certain letters backwards. But this is how I know that it's minor. <laughs> like listening <laughs> to Brian spell right now. The actual it's all about context. Yes. <laughs> it's, dude, yeah. How bad is it? Well, yeah. It could be. Could much always worse. be worse. Exactly. The actual uh, spelling is M A L I G N A N T. Malik. No chance. No. Chance. In if there, I wrote it out, I feel like I'd be better. Write it out. Yeah. Write it out. They, right, the kids time. do that on the back you, of their. You cards. are allowed pen and paper. Not well, in the, the actual the, spelling. The kids though. in the spelling, they like they draw it in the air. Yeah, they draw it in the back of their cards yeah. so they can like visualize the mm. spelling. Oh, so that's what I need to do. Next they, time. They I got next you. Time. Tap next their time. foot and they stare off into the distance. They've got all sorts of tricks that they use. These kids are pretty smart. They are. They should probably put down the dictionary and just go, go outside once in a while, but they're pretty good spellers. Yeah, we'll be working for them one day. <laughs> of course, look. By the time they're in charge, it's all over anyway, Andy. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Well, they'll be working for AI. <laughs> they're gonna Jokes be, on them. They're going to be working in the robot minds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever the whatever form the robot mind takes, they're going to be in it. Now they'll be supervisors down there, <laughs> <laughs> but but they will be down there. Clocking hours at the old Skynet. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I'm okay with it because I, I, I just feel like I, I want to be an agreeable subject. I don't want to have to fight against it. I would not make a good John Connor. Well, they're they're already keeping track of who's willing to play ball and who isn't, who looks like they could be a troublemaking subversive, and who's just you. who's just willing to lay back. You, you, you strike me as a subversive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you, you'd be whispering other guys down in the robot mind, like, can you believe they're making us do that? You know? I, I think, you know what I think? I think you should say something. Oh, crap, he's a robot. <laughs> yeah, you got to get the dog to sniff him out, right? Just like in I, all of my futuristic or con- uh, Terminator-related. I have no vision of what it might look like on my own. It's strictly what James Cameron came I have up been, with. I've been debating. My daughter's 12. I've been debating whether or not she can watch first Terminator, second Terminator. First Terminator is the one that's more violent. Much more, more violent. More sex in it. There's a sex scene. Like, the second Terminator, I think, is actually... That's okay for 12? Yeah, I think you're right. And I'm not it's even sure... Shoppa. The job that's I'm, command. No, that's, that's uh, command. The oh, predator. I, predator. Yes, predator. Yeah, I don't know any of these. I just am <laughs> mixing all of them together. The only movies she doesn't know are like the five I know really well. <laughs> <laughs> so we make a good team. But okay. we, we cover we cover all the bases. I think she could watch Terminator Two without having seen Terminator. Oh yeah. Oh for sure. T two is so good. It's well. It's the liquid Terminator. Yes. It's the when he pours through the helicopter cockpit and reforms as the pilot. So there is it's a amazing. Chopper. It's just there a is a chopper, chopper, but the get back to the chopper. It's not the chopper. It's just a chopper. Get back to the chopper. The chopper. 
yeah, I'm I'm ready. I got a little bit of Matrix in my futuristic mix. That that doesn't seem. Good. I don't want to be one of those pods. No, you you are terrible. You are so blue pill. You might. Oh yeah. <laughs> you're like, can I have more than one blue I, pill? <laughs> just keep keep the red ones as far away from me as you possibly can. I just want to sit here. I want to just walk around and live my life in relative peace, asleep in my pod. But you know that it's it's just a mirage. It's just an image. I sure. don't care. It's a pleasant brush. <laughs> Just ease me gently into the whatever's coming after this. Probably nothing, but just kind of very slowly kind of run me off of the road in that way. Uh, back to the Lakers really quick. You're talking about how the result of the finals may inform the decisions that they make. And those decisions are not, you know, mysteries. It's, you know, Austin Reeves and Hachimura and whether or not you try to acquire Kyrie and what does it cost and they got a draft pick this year. So they've got some things to do. But does any of this even start to happen until you have a definitive answer on LeBron James's plans? Can can you start to do these other things until because there's not a person out there I don't think that doesn't think he's going to play, but what does he want? What like what what did that statement actually mean because none of us think that it means I'm not going to play basketball. Yeah, I mean you want clarity with LeBron obviously because I don't I don't even mean necessarily his dissatisfaction with the roster because mm-hmm. I think there's there's only so much you can really change or so much that I think you should change. Like if LeBron really wants Kyrie on no questions asked. I want this guy on this team. Right. And the only way you're going to get Kyrie would be to pay him the most amount of money the Lakers can pay, which is not the amount Dallas can pay. Right. But the most you can pay and the most amount of years. It's four years, right? Right. Otherwise, Kyrie has no incentive to do this. Like people talk about him like he's, you know, he he lives on this other plane, doesn't care about the money. Kyrie cares about the money. Okay. I can promise you. He cares about the money and there's not going to be any incentive for him to leave more years and more money on the table just to come here. If LeBron wants four years of Kyrie, which will go on further than his own contract past LeBron. Yeah. I don't care. Like at some point, that's kind of what I'm getting at Andy, right? This idea of there are two tracks, right? There's the LeBron timeline, which is now today, immediately get, we have to do it now. What I need now is what I need now. And sometimes what he needs now is what's good for the team. He needed Austin Reeves in the starting lineup. You need to keep great. That's good for LeBron. That's good for the Lakers. The Kyrie one is the most obvious example of something that is good news for LeBron, but could potentially be terrible news for the Lakers beyond whenever it is that LeBron James decides that he's done playing basketball. And that's that that's that middle ground is what I'm talking about. That do you make a decision that you know is not in your best interest past his time, but because he still has time, you got to do it anyway. No, I mean LeBron is past the point in his career where you move heaven and earth to keep him happy. Like you might what move about heaven, just heaven, yeah. right? You might move heaven, you might move earth, but you're not going to move heaven and earth. Like because there's only so much longer you're going to be doing this with LeBron anyway. Like he is theoretically under contract two more years. Uh-huh. If you go past, like, are you really that worried that you're going to miss out on LeBron at age 42? No, you but, know what I mean. Like, are you? But in, what if you're worried about missing out on him now? What if you're worried about him being dissatisfied with whatever decision it is you make that he's not fully 
committed, invested, whatever, whatever that might be. And look, he's still the most important person on your team. He might not be the best player on your team anymore. It's probably Anthony Davis at this point by, I don't want to say by default, but by default. And you still need him. And if he can still inf- influence decisions and teammates and culture and all of these things, you have to be aware of it. You have to be aware of it. But at the same time, I think you have to keep all of this in context. Like if LeBron was 28 or 32 sure. instead of next year, 39, then yeah, you make some moves that may not be that smart down the road because the now is so incredible that you just have to deal with what comes later when that door opens. LeBron is not at a stage right now where the present is so incredible. Like, it's good. It, yeah, that's but the it's tricky not, part. It, it's it's not, not incredible like it was in Miami or even Cleveland in either part, of, but it's still as good as it's been in the last two or three years. And, and it, it's a, it's a except, weird spot. Except the last two or three years haven't been that great no they haven't but it's better than that and but you know what i'm saying though like i I do they're just saying it's a tough call there i don't i think it's more of a tough call to have the stomach to make the call i don't think the call is actually that tough i agree with that it's the it's saying no to somebody who hasn't heard no in a long time but you know what though they've told him no though they have actually told him no because last season two seasons ago the first with russ there was a lot of reporting that they that LeBron and probably Anthony Davis by extension wanted them to move Russ. Uh, one of the deals was John Wall and Christian Wood, to he, like which would have been a terrible decision. Lakers said no. There was a lot of pressure heading into this year to move Russell Westbrook before the season began. Lakers said no. They didn't have the deal that they wanted. Like they've told LeBron no before. They've given him a lot of what he's wanted. I think there's a difference between those and what I'm talking about. We'll get into that coming up in just a little bit. But Brian does not have to spell anything, but he does have to do, hey, did you see? That's coming up next. It's Travis Lee, 710 ESPN. Hey, if you get hurt in an accident, you need to call the accident attorneys at Sweet James. It's as easy as that. It's as easy as it is to remember the phone number, 1-800-9-MILLION. That's 1-800-900-0000. Zero, zero. And, of course, you can go online at SweetJames.com. And when you make that call, the same call that I've made, the same call that my friends and family have made, here's what you get. You get nearly 20 years of experience. And prior to that, you get somebody that worked for the insurance company. So they know the ins and outs not only of their own business, but of the insurance company's business. So do not take on that insurance company by yourself. Find somebody that has that winning record, a winning record to the tune of over a billion dollars collected in settlements in that nearly 20-year career. Get that car fixed right. Get the medical attention you require and the peace of mind of coming to the best that there is. That's what Sweet James is. Awarded best attorneys in America and personal injury. It's all that they do. You know the number by now. 1-800-9-MILLION. That's 1-800-900-0000 and SweetJames.com. You know, we give Slee kind of a, a hard time for being a secret agent and kind of keeping his his uh, whereabouts close to the vest. And Brian, not that I'm not always very happy to see you, but when Taylor leaves, we don't even bother to act like he is the most mysterious of all of the people here at 710. I don't think anybody knows what Taylor's up to when he disappears. Yeah, no. When he's playing his music, we know. But when, uh, like, what's he doing on vacation? I don't think anybody asked. I don't think that anybody's really peeled that onion at all. What do you got for us, Brian? 
A little hey, did you see? All right, I got a couple things for you today. All right. First one, how about a little baseball? I got two baseball ones for you. Got it. First one, I don't know if you guys have heard of Lathan the Kid Umpire. Going around on social media, he's been blowing up the last couple weeks, months. Eight-year-old kid umpires Little League games and has recently done a high school game. No. Behind, <laughs> age eight? Age eight, behind the plate, full gear. What can he he's, see over he, the catcher? He, it's pretty legit. I'll tell you, like, I've, I've seen him a little bit, you know, here what, and there. What's his name? Lathan the Kid Umpire. So, like, Nathan, but with an L. And he's all we on We won't ask you to spell media. it, Brian. <laughs> That's actually one I could spell for you, though. So my question here to you guys, if you were, you know, the 13, 14-year-old kid or even the coach and there's an 8-year-old kid umpiring behind the plate, how does that make you feel? It makes me feel like I can't say anything, right? Look, kind of chirping at the umpire is part of baseball, right? There's very clearly a line that you should not go past with anybody. But saying, no, oh, come on, man, what are you doing back there? There's, there's, That's part of baseball, right, that you chirp right. the umpire you can't chirp an eight-year-old. So if I see a kid back there that you've been neutered before the game has even started because you're an absolute monster if you chirp at an eight-year-old. <laughs> okay, I, I have very mixed feelings about this. If, if I'm, say, the parent of a kid in this in this game being umpired by Lathan, the kid umpire. He's got an Instagram page. Yeah, he's, apparent, he's like the Doogie Hauser of umpires, <laughs> yeah. apparently. On one hand, I'm not one of these like little league parents or you know my daughter plays volleyball. I'm not one of these people that gets on the referees, gets on the umps, gets I don't want this to turn into something bigger than it actually is. Like I I like things being kept in perspective, including little league. So it's nice that you have an umpire that like Travis said, you can't scream at an 8-year-old <laughs> without being a monster. On the other hand, though, I like competence. Yeah, it's not, and it, there comes a point where I get that he's eight years old, so he's making mistakes that an eight-year-old would make, but he's still the guy in charge. <laughs> like at some point, I'm going to be upset that Lathan is an incompetent eight-year-old. <laughs> Do you challenge him? Do you go out and say? Young man, listen, I know you're doing your very best. Here's a juice box. There, there, there's only three outs in an inning, not two. Yeah. We still have one more to go. Like, do you, or do you just like, hey, he's eight. He's going to keep it moving. Like, hey, what are you going to do? Got, got like, Lathan the umpire okay. back there. As, as long, I guess, as Lathan can call a decent game. Because, frankly, right. there's some terrible adult umpires. Like Angel Hernandez. Yes. Right. <laughs> CB Buckner, Ooh. Laz Diaz. Should I keep going? I would love to see. <laughs> An umpiring contest between Lathan and Angel Hernandez. Yeah, well, Angel hasn't been working lately. It's a bit of a mystery. Well, he just, he's got time. He just poof. He's just gone. <laughs> it's one of the great mysteries. Is he a good umpire, Brian? I believe so. I've heard some endorsements from him from coaches saying that. Oh, bring him back. All Happily. right. Okay, I just saw his picture. He looks serious. I got to <laughs> yeah, tell no, you, he's got the, the gear. He's in position. I would. The only thing I would say is if I was 12, 13 year olds and I was pitching and he was squeezing me behind the plate, okay. we got this a is going to beat you up at recess at school. <laughs> right. This puts in perspective that this is an eight year old. I just found him on Twitter at Lathan the Kid Ump. Not only does he play, he loves to call the shots too. Loves the game. Parentheses. This page is managed by his parents. <laughs> <laughs> got to throw that in there. Love it. What's next? All right, so another one, another baseball one. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Zach Campbell. 
Uh, oh, that's the guy that gets all the foul, uh, the, yes. the home runs, the and home foul run balls. balls. Yeah, yeah. 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 Do now, you know him, Andy? No. Okay, so he's a baseball collector. He says he's been doing this since 1993. He says he has over 12,000 balls now. And most recently, the last couple videos that he's been seeing, he's been getting booed like crazy at the parks. He Catch caught a home, a, a home run at the White Sox Angels yes, game the other day, saw. and people just started hammering him with boos. <laughs> hammering him, raining down. And on social media now, he's getting a lot of flack, you know, letting let the kids have the balls, all that. Do, my, does, does he reach over kids, do things like that? He's kind of. Not, not He's not too extreme, but he okay. is a little extreme, I'll Br- say that. Brian's... Ex- he he's right. He tries to catch the ball. He's not a monster where he's tripping Nathan the kid umpire along the way. Lathan, Lathan, excuse me. <laughs> yeah. But he he's taken the he's like developed these formulas. He knows where to be right. at it, all these times. So he's always in the area of where the ball's most likely to go. So he gets an inordinate amount of souvenirs, and he just like I think he just hoards them all. Yeah, right? he, I was he, I was going to say this is a sickness. <laughs> right. Like this guy's a hoarder, straight up. Anybody with twelve thousand baseballs, oh, yeah. like yeah. Big Five, does not have twelve thousand right. baseballs in in their entire warehouse. This yeah. guy has twelve thousand. The better part of that is he has his own website, and he lists every single ball. Date, time, stadium. So it's like foul ball, Miguel Rojas, Dodgers, Nats, right. May 31st. Yes, exactly. He'll differate the home run or a so, foul ball. So he's a hoarder. He's OCD, OCD. But he also, he's probably kind of high-level genius <laughs> right. that he can figure out the science of he where these where ball. To be. Yeah. All right, so my question there is, when's the last time, what age are you guys not taking a glove to the field? Oh, jeez. I mean... I think once you're legally able to drink, that's <laughs> <laughs> okay. about right. I I did take a glove to the field. I'm trying to think of the last time I did. It's probably 11, 12, I, so, so, something like that. I think the only reason you can get away with it as an adult is if you are taking your child. Yeah. And you're right. essentially helping your child catch a ball. I think that's okay. It's weird seeing an adult with a glove at the at the ballpark that's not on the field <laughs> it's just <laughs> deeply strange hey like i there you could make the case i'm trying to help junior catch the ball you could make the case i'm trying to protect junior in the case that something gets ripped into the into the seats and he's not paying attention i can knock it down but when you've got a guy that is a 40 year old man walking in there with a, a glove on his hand you're like yeah he's zach hempel adjacent <laughs> Real quick, does this gent, the hoarder, does he go around to different parks, or is he doing this all at one park? Oh, all all He's 30. everywhere. Yeah, he, he is everywhere. He's traveling. Like He was in show. Chicago this last week. He'll be in a different stadium tomorrow. Nobody reads for that guy. <laughs> He's like a deadhead. He's got, he's got baseball, <laughs> yeah, exactly. not around. friends. Have you guys ever caught in a foul ball or a home run ball? No. I've gotten one. And, and not to channel my inner Zach, I can tell you exactly the pitcher, the hitter, where okay. I was, and everything else. So, so can I. Denny Nagel was the pitcher for the Colorado Rockies. Eric Karros was the batter for the Dodgers. Ooh. I was sitting kind of where the on-deck circle is on the first base side, about 20 rows up. And it took one hop off the seats or off the stairs in the aisle. It landed right in the middle of the aisle. One hop right to me, caught it. That's the only time I've gotten one in my entire life. Yeah, I only have one, too. Off the first pitch of the game, Dodgers-Padres, D. Gordon, foul ball. D. Gordon. Yeah. D. Gordon. That's a throwback. Yeah. Flash. Surprise, he made right. contact. Exactly. <laughs>
I think that's all I got for you today. All the time. <laughs> Made it a collector's item. <laughs> this is the time. I still have it. Yeah, I, I don't think I have them. I don't know. It may be in the garage somewhere. Speaking of the Dodgers, they got uh, they got the best record in the National League. They've also got a couple of very big problems that need to get squared away. That's next. Travis Slee. Andy's in for Slee on 710 ESPN.